Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey, welcome AfterBuzzers. We are so excited to be here and talk to you guys about Self Made, which was based off the story of Madam CJ Walker. I'm Dot McDonald, and I have with me some extraordinary people that are going to talk on this panel. First, I want to talk about Chef Beans with the Mental Cuisine. Say what's hey, up, Chef. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? We've also got Lee, who is part of the 50 and Fabulous Club. Hey, Lee. Hey. I want to shout out to all my 50 and Fabulous friends out there today. This is our quarantine series. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, guys. So we finally are getting the story of Madam C.J. Walker, who was the first self-made millionaire who happened to be an African-American woman. Here we are in 2020, and we are just now getting this story. Um, Lee, how did you feel to finally see that Netflix was coming out with a series on Madam C.J. Walker? I loved it because for years, I wondered why no one had actually made a movie about this incredible woman. I mean, this is a woman who was a former slave. She was a teenage mother. She um, obviously had hair loss issues, which motivated her to create products for African-American women in a time, first of all, when women weren't actually business people, okay? Secondly, she was an African-American and a former slave. So she had all the odds stacked against her, but in spite of those odds, she became hugely successful. So I'm excited about the series. Yes. And Chef, how did you feel after seeing that we were finally getting this story on Madam C.J. Walker? So prior to this series, I only knew a few things about Madam C.J. Walker. Yes, the self-made millionaire thing, but I wasn't too hip with her whole story. So it was very empowering to see how she took something that she really cared about and not only monetized it, but gave other Black women and Black people confidence inside and outside of their skin. Yes. So this episode covered so much, and I cannot wait to dive in. But so the people that are watching kind of know what we're going to be talking about. Chef, if you could say, if you could give this episode two words to describe it, what would you give it? Um, two words, let's fight. <laughs> I cannot wait till we dive into that. I love that, Chef. How about you, Lee? Two words to describe this episode before we hop in. Two words. Um... Let's see. Well, I can think of three, but uh, two words. She prevailed. Ooh. Ooh. Let's fight. She prevailed. And I'll say, let's go. Okay. So we start, it's the 1900s. We see Sarah and she is, you know, starting to sell her products. And we see that she's been struggling with hair loss. And we're immediately introduced to Addie Monroe. Lee, what do you think of Addie Monroe? So uh, I was reading a little bit of history going back and um, getting a little more information. So um, Addie was actually named Annie. So Addie is actually the name for the series. But the original uh, woman who was in competition with her was named Addie. 
And, you know, there's always room for everybody, but obviously back in the day, if you had light skin and you were black, you had an advantage because of the hierarchy. Everyone knew that um, that was the case, but it didn't stop um, Madam C.J. Walker, a.k.a. Sarah Breedlove, from being successful. So I was excited to see a little conflict. I mean, you have to have conflict to make a story interesting. And the conflict was so natural because of of the obvious uh, differences between the two women. One had some advantages because of her color and status in the community. And uh, Sarah Breedlove, Madam C.J. Walker, you know, obviously she wasn't what society at the time deemed as beautiful, but she didn't let it hold her back. So that was exciting for me to see that conflict and how uh, Madam C.J. Walker rose above her difficult circumstances. And Chef, what were some of your thoughts on when you saw Addie and what she stood for and sort of how she treated um, Madam C.J. Walker? What were some of your thoughts on her character? Well, initially when I saw her character, I saw a woman who had a product that could give Madam C.J. Walker some type of confidence being that her hair was falling out. But when her hand was actually revealed and she communicated how she actually felt about Madam C.J. Walker, that's when my whole perception of her altered because she did, even though she was still a black woman, just a lighter skin, she did have somewhat of that privilege because yes, I'm black, but I'm not black, black. And she (laughs) made that very known where she stood. So it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but it also gave Sarah the, the spark that she needed to do her own thing. I have to agree with you completely, Chef. Um, When I was introduced to Addie's character, I was kind of like intrigued. Wow, we have two um, boss women or we have two women who are trying to be independent, trying to do something for themselves. But I was so heartbroken when I saw how she was treating um, Madam C.J. Walker, whose real name is Sarah Breedlove and who they refer to her often in the film. She was treating her. I'm like, we cannot have our two Black women kicking each other down. But because it's the 1900s and it's so early on, I almost feel like they don't understand or they clearly don't know the struggle that Black women are going to have from that point moving forward. And this is kind of the start of it. So we see that Sarah Breathe Love, her hair is falling out. And um, Addie Monroe has this product that she can use and it's helping her. And Sarah asks if she can start selling the product because it's working for her. Um, she's immediately turned down and they say, you know, Addie tells her, you don't have the right look. Sarah goes against the grain and goes and steals a little bit of the product. I said, oh man, Steph, do you think <laughs> she was wrong or right? Oh, Lee, do you think she was wrong or right to steal the product? Well, back in the day, and I, I'd have to do a little more research. I don't know how many um, patent laws actually existed at the time. Probably not. Otherwise, she wouldn't have probably taken the initiative to take some of the elements of Annie's products and use them in her own product. But then later on, I read that um, Addie actually protected her product so that that couldn't happen again. Uh, But it was a little bit late, obviously, under the circumstances because, you know, uh, Madam C.J. Walker decided to have her own company. Uh, Addie had the opportunity to bring her on as a salesperson. She obviously didn't feel confident because she, as you say, didn't have the right look. And that's stated quite often uh, during the series. So I was uh, intrigued that Madam C.J. Walker had the, the, um, the determination and the, um, 
I guess you, I don't know what the shoot spa or that, is that how you say it <laughs> to <laughs> go ahead and make her own product and didn't let anything this woman said to her Addie, you know, um, stated, uh, to stop her from being successful. So I was, I was excited that she, um, as I said, prevailed by her circumstances. I am all for a person doing what they have to do, but I've got to ask Chef, do you think she was right or wrong to steal the product? So I'm not an advocate for stealing anything, um, but I do believe everything happens for a reason. She was at a crossroad, especially at those times. I feel like now in 2020, we have access to so much information, knowledge and things back then, but back then, I'm sorry, back then, you only really had access to whatever you were reading in books or what was in front of you. So she has something fighting to come out of her. Like she's telling me I can't do something. The self-empowered woman that I am, I'm going to take a chance on myself. So do I believe in stealing? No, but I feel like that's what she needed for her to give herself the confidence, not just selling, but I, I can create my own things and make an impact. So if I had to decide, I, she was supposed to do that. It was it was divine order. I will agree with the both of you. I am not for stealing anything, but I think the way she went about it, she asked initially. So it wasn't something that she just did and she was grimy about it. She asked initially. She said, okay, maybe I can prove myself and I can do this on my own. So Sarah, she steals the product. She starts to come up with this own formula that's her own. Um, business is really booming in another state in Indianapolis, and she uproots her entire family, and she moves to Indianapolis to start up this hair business. Um, this really starts to see somewhat of a conflict between Sarah and her husband, CJ. Um, so we've talked about Addie. Um, let's talk a little bit about CJ. I know as, you know, when you're in a relationship and the woman is kind of taking that, that lead financially, I know sometimes that can create a lot of turmoil in a relationship. So chef, how do you think CJ handled all of this? Um, see, his woman is starting up a business and, and, and popping off and, and uprooting the entire family. How do you think he handled it? I think initially he handled it as best as he could. Um, especially during those times that, okay, like I'm in marketing and branding, I can help, you know, get your business out of, out there, but he, he follows suit because he saw the fire and the tenacity in his wife's eyes. And we can tell that the love was genuine at first, but I also know the male ego and I know it wasn't necessarily what Sarah was doing. It's more so his internal conflicts that got the best of him. What are people going to think of me if my woman keeps saying this is her business? What are people going to think of me if my woman keeps rising and, I'm, and I kind of hit this plateau? Not seeing it from a family elevation standpoint, but more so, where's my stance as a man in the early 1900s? And am I even manly at this point? Like, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he just fell victim to the um, male ego. Initially, no, but after a while, it got the best of him. Yes, I agree. And Lee, you know, we're women and we see that often happen when, you know, the woman is the breadwinner in the relationship. Sometimes men can't handle it. How do you think CJ handled it? I felt that CJ Blair Underwood, uh, who plays the role in the uh, series, was very supportive. I'm more supportive than I expected him to be under the circumstances, being it was a different time. You know, African-American men had obviously been through so much up to that point. Many were born you know, into slavery or their parents were slaves and 
they didn't um, have the respect and dignity of society. So I felt that he was very compassionate towards his wife. All he cared about was her being happy. However, she achieved her, her, her happiness. I was um, actually feeling that he was um, very positive in his uh, you know, support of her endeavors under the circumstances. Yeah, I think I'm right on the edge. I think he did start really supportive until he started realizing that the more successful she got meant the less she would be doing things around the house. I think in this episode, he's like, so you just want me to warm up the leftovers? Like, is this where we are? I think he was okay with it and she was able to kind of balance the two. But when one started skyrocketing and house things weren't being taken care of, I think that's when his ego was starting to come into play. Because of course he has these ideas of what a woman's supposed to do and now she's slacking on those and she's also you know stepping on him with the pocket with having money and that sort of situation too um she had her daughter Layla Leela I believe who was played by Tiffany Haddish was assisting her a lot with her salon and her and her hair business now I have to ask because I don't know if it was just me but when I saw Tiffany Haddish ah, I was completely distracted so chef I think that Tiffany Haddish did, you know, an excellent job to her ability. But to have her in this 1900s movie with such a strong personality and she's already naturally comedic, was it distracting to have her in the 1900s? No, 100%. Like, as soon as I saw Tiffany Haddish, I'm just kind of like, not taking anything away from, like, the writing, the production, anything like that, but it it became more cartoonish because first you got the, the boxing ring, you got modern day things, but trying, not saying boxing wasn't around early 1900s because that'd be a lie, but you have modern 1900 things, then Tiffany Haddish, I just automatically thought like girls trip and other things. Not saying she's not trying to have range or her acting ability, but every time she kind of came on screen, you kind of like used to, to laughing, I'm sorry. Not saying she can't try to do other roles than what she's used to doing, but I don't know if this was the right casting for her, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. Aline, was it distracting for you or just for me and Chef? Because I was kind of taken out of the scene every time she was there. I was kind of like, wow, this is really Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> I didn't feel distracted at all. In fact, I like the chemistry between them because they're both feisty women. And I think if you had anybody who was less feisty against Octavia Spencer's skill, I think she would probably shrink from her role. I think they needed a stronger person like Tiffany Haddish who could stand on her own and had a little bit of a spark. I think they played off of each other really well. And I, I, I mean, I understand um, the contemporary elements. I didn't care for the soundtrack, the contemporary soundtrack being mixed with the 1900s you know, clothing and the scenery. I thought that was just, I'm a musician. So I always listen for the music and the soundtrack. So I found that aspect quite distracting along with the boxing. Um, I know they were trying to demonstrate the conflict between uh, the two actors, you know, uh, Madam C.J. Walker and also um, Addie. I found that very distracting. It didn't really make sense to me if you were just tuning in during that period, it'd be hard to understand why they showed that element, that, that relationship in that format. 
Yes, I want to hop into all of those special elements because there were a lot of interesting choices that were made. Um, I'm going to bring that back around when we talk throughout this story because I already see that we are going to have so much to say and that's going to be a very interesting part of our panel today. So we have Sarah, she's in Indianapolis, little conflict between her and her husband. Um, her salon is actually starting to rise. It's starting to do better and business is booming and it's looking like way up. And then Addie decides to move to Indianapolis. I said, out of all the places in the world, why would she choose Indianapolis? Um, so I want to know how you all felt when you all realized that Addie was going to be moving and that she was going to be her competitor um, but on another level. And do you think that her intentions were pure, meaning that, you know, Indianapolis was a city that was booming for businesses and African-Americans? Or do you think she knew that, you know, the product was stolen from her so she could probably make it even better and she could capitalize on this situation? What are your thoughts, Lee? I think a lot of both of what both of what you said, I think, I mean, there was a, a huge migration for African-Americans in the 1900s out of the South because it was so oppressive and they wanted to move further into the Midwest and so forth for more opportunity where they could create their own lifestyles. So I think that was a, an important factor and any smart business person, woman or man, would probably have made similar choices, which many blacks did back in that time. I also feel she probably got word of the competition and uh, she's like, well, I need to cash in on this opportunity. Why not expand where people are asking and, and want more products and, are beginning to um, use their, their hard-earned dollars to look better and to feel better about themselves. So I think it's a lot of all those elements that you mentioned earlier. Okay, and what are your thoughts, uh, Chef? Um, I, think, I think she moved out there because of competition. You gotta think she's from this like higher brown paper bag type pedestal, I'm better than you because of the color of my skin, even though we're both black women. And she was taken back to see how far Madam CJ Walker has gone. I, I think she was in disbelief initially and probably thought, I'm gonna go out there and blow her out the water. They're only shopping for her because that's their only option. But to see the magnitude and the bricks that Sarah put down, I think she was taken back and she was in a rude awakening. Absolutely. So we have Addie now, who's the competitor, and they are competing for these African-American women and their, you know, them to use their product. And this, for me, is when I really started to see that the light-skinned, dark-skinned agenda was really being forced and really being, um, being pushed to carry along the story. It, I appreciated it, but sometimes it kind of made me upset. I think because when I started looking deeper and learning the real story on the real person that they based Addie Mae off of. She was actually a dark-skinned woman. So the fact that they didn't include that and decided to go with a light-skinned woman because that would make it more interesting for the storyline. I just also think that it might be reigniting some thoughts that we've pressed and moved past. And it's like bringing them up all over again. How did you all feel about the light-skinned, dark-skinned agenda that was happening in the story, uh, Chef? Um, I think you hit it on the nose because there are already things put in place for us to separate, whether it's to separate the kids from their parents or the men from the woman. Because I even read up when you think about the black woman, she didn't only have to worry about being raped by the 
the, the slave master, but also there were other men in her community who was doing that too. So you already got her in this isolated area. But to portray this colorism that you said was, where we're trying to suppress it, not saying it didn't exist, but I, I don't know. I think, I think it was a reflection of what was going on back there, but I don't know. I, I was just like watching it just from like a neutral standpoint to like how everything plays out. So I didn't dive too much into like that topic, but I was just kind of like, let's see where they're really taking this. Right. Um, what were your thoughts, Lee? I see that both you and I are, we stand for the brown skin team. Um, what were some of your thoughts, Lee, on the light skin, dark skin agenda? Were you happy that it was being brought in this story? Do you think it was misplaced? What were your thoughts? I think that it's a very, it was a very real uh, topic. And frankly, we still see it in uh, segments of our society today in Hollywood. You know, the leading ladies, it's changing. Okay, it's changing a lot. I mean, obviously, Octavia Spencer's and, you know, the and people, you know, who are more chocolate and so forth and different body types. I think because of the um, the inclusive nature of Hollywood and how that's evolving, we're seeing different types of African-American women in substantial roles, but we still have um, some of those elements involved. If you look at music, for the most part, music is really indicative of, um, you know, the way you look because it's a highly visual medium, being that it's about the dance videos and so forth. And uh, I think that it is a topic of discussion in some circles. And back then it was truly um, a reality because everyone knew that if you were light skinned black during slavery, you were most likely what they called a house. You know what I mean? You were in a home, you weren't in the fields. If you were darker skin, you were picking cotton. If you were in the, if you were lighter skin, you were probably in the house with the master. So that uh, that's reality. It's not comfortable or um, pretty, but it, it is what, you know, it's the reality of what uh, society looked like at that time. I, um, I think it's uh, an important element in the storyline. I hope it's not going to be the major focus. I would hope that the focus would be a woman's ability to rise above her circumstances as I'm going through the series. And um, we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see what that looks like as we you know, As, yes, that. you you mentioned rising above the circumstances, and this episode ended in the most tragic way that it could possibly end with the fire in the salon. I believe Leela's husband John. I think he left something on or misplaced something and stepped out for a smoke, and the entire salon is up in flames. As a person that started from the ground zero and has made her way almost to the top and to have it all just burn in front of you. And while this tragedy is happening, here is Addie Monroe walking flyers to her. Um, this was a great wait, I felt, to end. But I wanted to know, um, did that ignite any sort of feelings from you guys of the fire in the salon, and then the kind of extra punch was Addie passing out her flyers while the salon is burning down. What were your thoughts, Lee? That fire ignited more fire in um, Miss CJ, Madam CJ Walker. She was a woman who would not be stopped. And <laughs> she always seemed to have this reserve of positivity and um, the ability to move past difficulties. I think for her, this was just a spark that would uh, propel her further into her levels of success. 
yeah, I'm so interested to see how she continues to move forward, how, how she's able to switch it around. Because we know the end story. We know she prevails, but I want to see how she got there. Um, Chef, what was that scene like for you watching the salon burn down? So whenever I think recently, whenever I see fires now, because um, not too long ago, I was in a similar situation. Like I was running my business from my apartment and it ended up like catching on fire. Everybody was safe, but I know I still had to dig within myself to still make sure that the business kept rolling. So like Lisa, I, I, you saw the fire in her eyes. There was a fire in her factory, but you also saw the fire in her eyes. Like this is just a roadblock. I'm going to continue to prevail, continue to persevere to make everything happen the way that it's supposed to happen. So I think aesthetically, they painted the perfect picture as far as you in business, you can never predict what's going to happen. You can all only control how you respond to it. And we saw how Sarah decided to respond to it. So I thought it was just perfect, regardless if Addie wants to give out brochures and things. You can do whatever you want. You're not going to stop the fire that's already lit inside of me. I love that you both saw that element because I didn't really pay attention to that or that wasn't really how I envisioned it, but I love it. And now I'm going to rewatch and look at the way you looked at it. There's a fire in the salon and there's a new fire in me. There's a new way to ignite and to keep me going. So we touched on it briefly, but now I really want to get to it. There were so many different elements that were kind of like brought into this world of the 1900s and, you know, the South and then moving up. Um, we touched on it a little bit, the distraction of Tiffany Haddish, but I think for me, one of the biggest distractions in this entire episode was the boxing rink. Um, I would love for you guys to tell me how you think it added to the storyline or what they were trying to do there. I purposely thought that it, I, uh, not purposely, I really think that it was misplaced. I just could have done completely without it, chef. Like, what did you think of these flashbacks to the boxing ring with um, Madam C.J. Walker and, and Addie. Yeah, I think it was, um, so I learned a lot about catering. And this, I, pray, it's, it's, I swear it's all going to come together. What I learned about catering is sometimes when you give certain foods, you also have like fillers and the fillers can be like salads or maybe like croutons, just to show the people like more stuff at this catering event. Thing was a filler. Like they have a bunch of things going on, but let's try to tip them off that way or act like we're giving them extra with this whole boxing metaphor. But we could use the word misplaced. We could use unnecessary. There's <laughs> a lot of words we can give that boxing thing. But I 100% could have gone without because you're trying to take me back as a storyteller. You're trying to put me into the moment of what it was like back when in the early 1900s with Sarah. So how do we randomly get in this boxing scene? Like, I, I feel like... <laughs> took me out of the initial objective of making me present in the moment. I agree completely. Um, Lee, was it, was it misplaced for you? Did it distract you? Did you see why it was intentionally put there? I was completely distracted by it. I understood, I'm a writer and I understood why, what they were trying to portray. I feel they should have kept it um, related to that um, particular decade in some form or fashion and found a more creative way to show the conflict between these two women. I mean, if I were, I most likely would have shown the conflicts in their own lives personally. And so that it, we could see wh why they became the women they became and what motivated them maybe when they were younger as children. They did some of that with the um, showing her as a washerwoman. And obviously she didn't want that life. She felt it was beneath her. 
something in her. Somehow she was raised to believe that she was better. There was something in her that told her, I can do better. And I think if they had taken the elements of their lives, maybe even when they were younger, before she became a washerwoman. Now, I wanted to correct something I said. She was born in 1867, Sarah Breedlove, which is two years after Emancipation Proclamation. So her parents were slaves, but she was actually born free. Perhaps because of that, she had a different mindset than her parents may have had and, and an idea that there was more opportunity for her because she was born free. So yes, it was a distraction. And uh, I would have liked to have seen the writers create something more appropriate based on that decade that would give us the ideas um, or give us a, a perspective of what drove these women to become successful. I love that. And I love that you are a writer because now that I'm thinking that, I'm like, they definitely should have put that in there. That would have been um, a lot, that would have contributed so much more to moving the story along and kind of keeping us in that world. Um, I want to stay with you, Lee, because you mentioned before that, you know, you are into music. And that was another thing that kept pulling me from this world that I was desperately wanting to stay committed to. The music was very contemporary. I'm like, wait, is this a song that I've heard on the radio? Like, why (laughs) is this not keeping me in this world? And why it just it just completely threw me off. And I wanted to root for this so hard and I I still loved the story but there were just certain things I guess I didn't understand was the music another distraction for you oh absolutely as a musician and listening to the soundtrack it was it was confusing because you know music is very subliminal (laughs) excuse me if you're not really listening to it if you're hearing you know chord structures and styles that are contemporary against a backdrop of something from the early 1900s It confuses someone coming into the story, maybe halfway into the series. You wouldn't, it would take you a little bit to sort of get a point of reference for what they're trying to say. And I thought it was completely misplaced. I would never have used a contemporary scene for those scenes and um, maybe would have had something original written, you know, based on the music at that time. I mean, gosh, they had great music in the, in the early 1900s or coming into the jazz age, there would have been all kinds of music they could have used. I would have loved more jazz. I I just would have loved just music from that time. That would have really kept us in that place. How about you, Chef? I know there was moments that you found yourself kind of like, maybe you was doing the woe and you're like, wait a second. (laughs) This is not music from that time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when they first did it, but that was another element that I was just like, is this the early 1900s or is this like 2000? There were just like a few moments, like we said, music is subtle. It can just kind of sneak up on you, but it can also be a powerful thing if done right. Even though it's subjective, we could t- look at this a lot of different angles, but I feel like they should as well use music in that time to kind of keep me present in that moment. Yes. There were little things that kept pulling me out of that moment. Like, okay, this was a uh, shot this year or last year. <laughs> or like, like there was a just few things that just kept pulling me out of the early 1900s. And music was one of them. Yeah, as we move forward, I think I'm going to love to do some research as to why they chose certain songs and why they chose certain music. Mm-hmm. So we have talked about many, many things, but I do know that I think Lee's got a little bit of news and gossip for us. Well, you know, right now, because we're all in a quarantine status, there haven't been a lot of red carpets or any red carpets. Uh, because of the circumstances. I know that there have been a lot of interviews with Octavia Spencer 
And uh, I have to say at this moment, I haven't found anything really juicy to share in regards to the cast and so forth. Um, I'm probably going to have to contribute a little more uh, on our next episode and to dig a little deeper to see what I can find during this season. Absolutely. Um, something fun that I did see that I had no idea about was that LeBron James was one of the executive producers on this project. Yeah, I that thought is... that um, that was very cool because I would never put the two and two together. But then when I saw the two and two together, I said, now that makes sense. So I do love that LeBron James is trying to put his stamp on this and is still standing up for the African-American community. Um, so if you have you seen any news and gossip out there, Chef? Um, not much besides a lot of people watching this during their quarantine time. And a lot of people are empowered by, you know, we have our own, our own different, they portray to black women. And I think this is very, also very important timing because we know the microaggressions that women face every day, whether it's at work or different things. Can I touch your hair? It's kind of like a, mu a museum where it's, it can make you feel uncomfortable, but to know that your hair is also something that's connected to your confidence, your pride, and your esteem, this is why you should cater it. Madam C.J. Walker came exactly when she was supposed to, so I think it was just a revelation, a breath of air to see, like, okay, I do come from power, I do come from um, but it's, you just see a lot of that, like women combating on different social media platforms. See? This is why I, have, why, why I wear my hair the way that I do. I think you're absolutely right, especially because everyone is at home, like you mentioned, and everyone is just kind of watching these series. It's almost like we're watching them all together. I almost would have preferred for this to come out during Black History Month, but then the fact that it's out now, I feel like if it would have come out during Black History Month, it would have just been oversaturated, possibly overlooked. Now it's almost like people are discovering it as they are searching for things to watch. And I like 100% love that this is now a topic of conversation because oftentimes people who are not African-American don't understand like what's up with the hair? Like why is it always don't touch my hair? Um, I know my coworkers are like, you change your hair every day. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's part of getting dressed. It's a part of waking up. It's right. a part of art to do. So I think that diving into this story and kind of just understanding the history of it um, they will understand a little bit more. That also brought me to, I'm jumping around a little bit, but that brought me to the fact that they had some elements in there where they were inserting clips of African-American women and their hairstyles. And I just loved it. I just really loved how they were fully embracing the fact that we love our hair. Like it's on another level. And this Netflix series is like reminding me, like our hair is definitely such a thing, such a thing. So no, we've got to- I, I, a, I wanted to add something. I'm sorry. Yes. Go ahead, Lee. So you mentioned um, this isn't February any longer, but it is March Women's History Month. Right, so this is an appropriate time if we missed it in February to celebrate the achievements of women in general and, of course, African-American women. And I also wanted to note that according to Guinness World Records, Madam C.J. Walker was actually the first self-made female millionaire, not just African-American, female um, uh, self-made millionaire. So that's extremely phenomenal right. that this woman who came from absolutely nothing, you know, would become the first self-made female, not African-American only, but female millionaire. So that was exciting for me to read. 
that is extraordinary, especially during that time. And I think that alone also kind of lets you know the pride that we have in our hair, that this, how she made, you know, that status is through her hair products. So that alone. So we got a couple of more episodes to come. And before we wrap it up here, I would love to hear some of you all's predictions for the next episode. So I guess I'll start with you, Chef. What do you think we're going to see in the next episode, episode two? I think in episode... would love to see, because I don't know how sh- how true they're going to stay to the actual fact, but I would love to see Addie and um, Sarah kind of collaborate, maybe come together, like somehow they build um, an empire together or maybe help one another. It may be too soon, but I think episode two can be when we start to kind of massage that process if they, if the writing decides to, you know, falsify a little bit. Um, so before we wrap it up here, I do, we're almost just about out of time. I do want to let our after buzzers know where they can find you. So Lee, where can all our after buzzers follow you? Thank you. I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Twitter at 50 plus and fabulous. That's fine. Thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll be here again, I believe on Friday, but we'll be watching all these episodes with you. So thank you guys so much. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you into AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our